This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. Uh, This is a program called Pleased to Meet You, and I'm Ken Morrison, and in this program I introduce you, the listener, to the voices behind the microphones here at Radio Kidnappers. And today it's my pleasure to be talking to Carol Reed, host of... (laughs) Host of many shows, with many hats. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've got Ignite Yourself, Living Life on Your Terms, which is all about empowering you to live a more liberated and mm-hmm. um, and fun life, um, life that you want. And then I also do the 90 Day Divas, which um, is a recent show, which is all about um, providing people with a business blueprint yes. for, for getting their business from surviving to thriving in 90 days. Um, we do that by several methods and um, work with you on your goals and aspirations and what you want to do and take a business from nothing to something sometimes and it will re-inspire you in your current business. And then the third one I do is Venus Voices, which is all about showcasing our Venus Women's Networking women all around Hawke's Bay and giving them a voice on Radio Kidnappers. Indeed, three fabulous programs, and if you want to listen to any of those programs, they're available uh, not only on the old radio as such, but you can visit our website, www.radiokidnappers.org.nz, click on the download button and uh, investigate those programs as it suits you. But we're not here to talk about the programs, we're here to talk about Carol. We want to know a little (laughs) bit more about Carol. And what I want you to do, Carol, it's got a whole bunch of haphazard questions here that I've written down over the months and weeks that I've been doing this program. And so what I'd like you to do, first of all, Wind the clock back, right back. Tell us where you grew up. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I grew up on a farm. I'm a good farming stock girl. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of um, seven children. Mum and Dad didn't have TV. <laughs> That's an old joke, but a good joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we literally did not have TV. I'm not kidding you. Um, where we didn't first, I can remember when we first got our first TV. It was a black and white TV, and I think I was about six maybe five. My brother worked for Pi, which oh, was uh, making, yeah. Yeah, making TVs, and Waihe, because that's where I grew up in mm. Waihe, which is near the Coromandel, uh, gateway to the Coromandel Peninsula, really, on the um, east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. And, yeah, I, um, he brought this TV to our, to our farm, you know, to the farm. Wow. He's like, here's this thing called a TV. And we're all like, what is this thing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and, of course, because he worked for Pi, he just got the parts and put one together because yeah. he was very clever like that. And, uh, and so we had this black and white TV that used to flick around mm. and <laughs> I remember not, them, yeah. not have pictures <laughs> properly and stuff and had to tune it and fuzz around with it and stuff. And then, we had a, then finally we got a black and white, uh, we got a colour one. Probably when I, you know, a few years later, probably three years later or something like that, or two years later. Yeah. yeah. So would have been in the seventies, wouldn't it? Color TV first arrived in New Zealand about what, Yeah. So 72? I was I was born in nineteen seventy. I'm coming up fifty two. So mm. um, that's what I mean. We you know, yeah we, we couldn't afford them, so yeah. we just got the, what we could get. You know, as, as it came down the pipeline and it could put together. Funny you should mention that. Just when I was doing the breakfast show this morning, I just as an aside, I uh, it popped up that. Um, you could buy a 25-inch color TV in New Zealand in uh, 1974 for $499. That was a lot of money. We extrapolated those figures out to today's money. It was over $6,000. Yeah, huge. Anyway, we digress. What, what, <laughs> what was your family life like growing up? I mean, have you got fond memories of growing up? Oh, terrible memories. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good fun. Um, being the youngest of seven, I was actually... Um, 
I was actually a mistake, but of course I say that I was a blessing. Because yes. um, being the you youngest, yes, you know, you that's right. Uh, but what happened was um, between me and my eldest, uh, well, the next one up from me is nine years. And then the oldest one is, is there's 20 years between wow. her and I. And so a lot of them had left home. And so there was just a sort of the three of us, um, two brothers and me. Mm. One brother had been overseas and come back. And then the other one, the one uh, nine years up, was the one that really was around me most of the time. He went to high school and stuff before me and all that sort of thing. Um, and we had good fun. We, you know, we used to go down to the river and swim, mm. jump off the bridge. That was always, remember that, conquering a fear there. Yeah. You know, all the boys were jumping yes. off the bridge into the river and little, little old me. And they're like, come on, do it. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know if I want to. I'm like, come on, do it. You know, so I was like, well, I'm not jumping off the top rung. And at that stage, the bridges were in ring, like they, they were see-through. Yes. So um, so I got on the bottom rung and, and just held on with my hands, <laughs> with my feet dangling until I could find the, you know, the fortitude to let go. And that was good. I, and I, once I'd done it, I overcame my fear and went back and did it again and again. And Never looked back? Yeah. What was school like for you? Um, school was fun. I living on the farm. We um, we lived, you know had to get a bus to school, and so I used to cycle. I ended up um, cycling. I think it was, I can't quite remember the distances. It was a long. T- it mm. was a long way. I, it was like I don't know seven, no fourteen miles or something. So wow. quite, quite a long way to school and back. Uh, and I used to cycle and pick up my friend on the way. She lived on the entrance into town, so I'd pick up her. Uh, and away we'd go to school and, and cycle home. And I always remember, you know, beating. I wanted to beat the, the, the bus because the bus would come and it would do a sort of a cycle around the district. And so I wanted to beat the bus home. So they'd start from school and go one way and I'd start another way and, and yeah. try. And I did. I, I did eventually beat it, but it was a bit of a goal. It was up and down hills and, yeah. So you wanted to be a winner? Because you want to be—that's you now, isn't it? You—you you want to be a winner. <laughs> is that where, is that. that where it comes from? I don't know about that. I just think, actually, you know, the, the probably the best advice I could give is that you know, when you when you're growing up, and I'm seeing this with my daughters, is um is to get into your fitness, get your mm. body, you know, um going well, you know, go into the what the limits of your body are, yeah. you know, when you're young, and 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 push your body a bit because that's when you can. You know, and then you that, that'll steer you in good stead as you get older. You know, my eleven-year-old, I'm getting her into triathlons and things like yeah, that. I see that. Not that she wants to be. I can tell you, she's <laughs> like, Mum, do I have to go? I'm like, yes, you do, darling. <laughs> okay, well, let's rewind the tape. So we're, we're going to stick with this schooling just for uh, another half a minute or more. So uh, you, I presume, you went through high school. Did you go into higher education? Yes, did I did. Yeah. Yes, I went to polytechnic and then I went to university. So what did you study there? So polytechnic, I left school. Uh, we did accounting, mm-hmm. so I did accounting for a year, uh, admin accounting, and then I went moved to Auckland from Waihee. Mum said, you're not going up there, are you? That's a long way. What are you going to do up there? I said, I'm going to work, Mum, because there's no jobs around here. <laughs> uh, and my friends from Polytech had moved up there, so that was a good inroad to go and stay. And so I you know, left, left there and went up to Auckland and did admin for a number of years, mm. and then I you know, came around and ended up going into marketing and then um, learning marketing and public relations at university and going back to university as an adult student. Okay, so schooling is over and university is over. The world is now your oyster. What happened then? Um, well, once I'd, once I'd gone to Auckland, that was a bit of an eye-opener. It's a little, yeah, you know, small-town girl going and living in the big smoke. Um, that was really good fun. I really enjoyed that and met lots of really interesting people. Um, and then I went down the South Island, and before I went overseas, I decided I'd, they had that. They used to have this ad on TV, which was "See Your Own Country yes. First, Remember? That's right, I remember it. Yeah. And, the, and the guy would be on his on his um, canoe, and he'd be like, "Where's Niagara Falls? 
Oh, it's just near, near Taupo, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. So, uh, right. yeah, remember that ad? So, yeah. yeah so, I, I wanted to uh, to learn to, to learn New Zealand, you know, yeah. before I went overseas. So, went and did a ski season down in um, in Queenstown. Lived down in Queenstown for six months and worked on Coronet Peak and Remarkables, which was really good fun. Lots of skiing at lunchtime, which was which was awesome. And then uh, went up and picked apples for a season in Mochueka in um, the Marlborough region, which was really, really good fun too. I, couldn't, I was very fit and healthy, you know, because I was up and down ladders with these big, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. apples. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, and so then you, overseas. So you went overseas. Where'd you go? I uh, went to England. As, as the Kiwis do, mm-hmm. the migration, Big Oe. Big Oe, yeah. Uh, and lived uh, lived in England for a while and used to travel from there, used that as the base and went to Spain and Malta and Italy and, um, you know, sort of all those European countries, went up to Scotland and mm. Ireland and, you know, all around England and whatnot, had friends down in Dover and so I went down there. And, yeah, so, uh, and then moved out to Austria, went out and lived in Austria for a ski season again and um, lived there for six months and skied in Austria for a, for a while and looked after, shh, don't tell anybody, looked after a baby and was paid under the table like they do. Um, yeah, and it was, it was good fun, really good fun. And again, lots of met lots of people and, yeah, you know, enjoyed things and then came back through America uh, and saw a bit of America on my way back home and then, yeah, and then back to back to good old NZ. Good old NZ. So, uh, a girl from um, the backlogs of Wahi yeah. go to Auckland. Three thousand people. Yeah, Auckland. I mean, even in the seventies, Auckland was big, New Zealand uh, wise, I suppose. But then you you travel to Europe and England, and then what made you want to come back here? I mean, I just imagine that someone from New Zealand going to England or Europe would go, wow, who who wouldn't want to stay there? What what brought you back home? Uh, my visa, because I was uh, only I wasn't. Would you have stayed if your visa? What I've said, it, it, there were parts of there was there were times in England where I can see why English people aren't always the most happiest mm-hmm. uh, because it gets very gloomy and dark. Uh, and I also remember, you know, taking these white, lovely, you know, business shirts over there and and washing, you know, doing my washing and everything, and bringing them back home. And then when I brought them back home and put them on the line in New Zealand, I was like, they are yellow. They are not even white. But in England, I couldn't see that they weren't white. <laughs> Um, it was really interesting, and it's because it's just dull. Yeah. You know, things are quite, you know, things are quite dull. So yeah, I was, uh, in some ways, you know, didn't want to leave. But then on the other side, the the lifestyle was not very healthy. You know, I worked in a pub part time, yeah. and then I worked, um, you know, in a big in a big office block through the day, and you know, the lifestyle was not great. You know. Yeah. What was the highlight of your trip? If you could pick one thing that really stuck in your mind about that time in your life, what was it overseas? Oh, there's lots of really fond memories. Um, probably, you know, working at working at the pub in England, if I think about that. I lived in Fulham, which was not very far from the main centre. Mm. And I lived, I wanted to have a full immersive experience. And so I, I lived um, with, with two English guys. And and they were quite prim and proper and spoke very nicely. <laughs> and the house was a very nice house and stuff. And then, because I'd go to the pub, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I work in the pub. So I had a real good contrast of stuff. Yes. Uh, and I worked for a big hotel chain called Forte Hotels, which they owned Happy Eaters, which are sort of things on the side of the road, like a McDonald's kind of thing. Yeah. And right up to, I forget the big one right in town, but, you know, they were, there was all sorts of um, levels of the hotel. Mm. And we were in the corporate office, and they used to feed us lunch, wow. like a cooked oh, nice. lunch yeah. every day. 
you know, so I put on lots of weight when I was over in England, <laughs> as you do. Uh, but I can remember going and working in the pub, and the pub was called the Cock Tavern. <laughs> <laughs> Those English names for pubs are marvellous. <laughs> just marvellous, yeah. And I used to work with um, with an Australian and an American guy and an Australian girl and uh, another Australian boy. So there's two, two, two Australians and a, U, and a US and me. And we used to have lots of fun behind that bar, I tell you. We used to just give the, the patrons lots of stick and they loved it. You know, they absolutely loved us. And they were like, yeah. oh, you Kiwis, you know. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you guys. And we used to do fun things because I used to have a, a microphone at the bar and they would say, last orders at the bar. And, you know, it would be 10 o'clock or whatever it was when the bar shut. And we used to, you know, as Kiwis get on and go, last orders at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just to be silly. Um, And we used to call it the ladies' pleasure. Welcome to the ladies' pleasure. You know, like just silly things like that. Um, Yeah, it was was really, we just had such a good group of us, you know, there. And the people that owned it were really fun too. Um, Sue and Dave, they were really neat people as well, English people. They cooked cooked us a beautiful Mm. um, English Christmas uh, dinner. Mm. Which was just she made mushy peas yeah, and yeah. and all the things, you know, all that. What are those other yeah. Yorkshire, Yorkshire puddings? Yeah. yeah, and it was just like this is so cool that we're all here together having a proper English, you know, dinner. So we were sort of a bit like a family in that yeah. in that respect, because I was there, you know, a couple of three or four nights a week or whatever. Because I, I was making money to, mm. you know, save my money to go to the next trip yeah, I was planning absolutely. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so you come home, a new chapter of your life begins. I guess it might be a little bit more sedate than what you were used to when you when you touched down. What happened then? I went back to home to Waihee and um, you know, tiny little town again, and sort of caught up with everybody and. Then thought, what's my next kind of move? And Mum was like, you should go and check out Hamilton. You know, Hamilton. It's got it's Hamilton where it's happening. That was the that really? was the slogan. Was that the slogan. <laughs> that was the, the slogan. Place. And I was like, Hamilton, Mum. Come on. You know, I'd lived in Wellington. I'd lived down in the South Island. Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, I think I might go back to Wellington. And Mum was like, no, don't don't go that far away. You know, because yeah, she'd she miss me. You. Yeah. And I'm the baby, of course. So she, you know, she's she's getting on. We're all getting older. So, yeah, worked in Hamilton, went and worked for the mayor of Hamilton, who was a woman then, Margaret Evans, mm-hmm. and, um, and that was really fun, lots of fun too. All right, so we're not even halfway through, we're more than halfway through the programme, uh, but I wonder if you could go back in time, I suppose you've thought about this yourself, because you're that sort of person, you're a thinking person, if you could go back and visit an 18-year-old Carol, what advice would you give 18-year-old Carol, and would you have listened to the advice? Yeah, that's a good point, eh? Would you have listened? Uh, I was, I've always been pretty open to stuff, I think, um, and always been interested in why we do what we do as human beings. I remember being at Polytech and going along to a, a Sri Chingmoy Centre thing to learn about Buddhism and stuff, and I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure it's me, but, you know, and I went and I listened, and, you know, but I didn't get into it. I just was like, oh, well, that's interesting, you know. Uh, and, and lots of times um, when I was away overseas, you know, you'd often have to rely on yourself, mm. you know, um, because, you know, you, you might had to get somewhere and you didn't know how to get there or, or you know, you were stranded. I've been stranded, yeah. missed flights and all sorts of things. Um, so I think what I'd say is um, I'd, I'd tell my 18-year-old self to, to trust in my judgment, mm. You know, trust in myself. I, I was pretty good at, I mean, I hitchhiked all around Scotland and Ireland mm. by myself 
which I never told no. parents or anything <laughs> like that after it was done. Um, and I remember going through Ireland too and getting getting rides from families and stuff. I caught up, a family picked me up and they're like, we're going to get ice cream. Do you want some ice cream? I was like, oh, I love some ice cream. So they bought me some ice cream. And, and they were like, so is that is that all you've got on your back there? And I said, that's right. And and they're like, so that's your home on your back? And I'm like, yeah. and what do your parents think of that then? You know, like, I'm like, Shh, I haven't told them. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'd probably tell 18-year-old me, you know, just to trust, to be more trusting and trust in my own abilities. But I think also um, to probably, you know, love love a bit more around friendships and mm. trust people a bit more. I've, I've always been reasonably good, but I think there was times when maybe I reacted to things that didn't, quite work out how they could have if I'd reacted differently, you know. And that's all the benefit of hindsight, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course it is. But I mean but I mean trust is something that, you know, we we sort of take for granted or we give away too quickly and want to put the walls up. But actually, you know, the more you can trust life, the more life will give you reasons to trust it. Well that was a great segue into my next question, which is partially answered there. Uh, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would that thing be? Um stop giving yourself a hard time about your weight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was always, and this was, we were, we were, I was in a family, I'm in a family like that. We always look at our weight, we, we just, you know, yes. and that was mum. Mum was always like, you know, you don't want to get too fat, yeah. and, you know, and, yes. and the thing was, you know, that, lo and behold, we we're all a little bit overweight, thanks, yeah. in my family. Um, and part of that was, you know, racing to get the food, because like, my turn, it's my food, <laughs> it's not your food. And we still do that now, we come at Christmas time, no, I'm having that, you're not having it, you know. Big fight at the table. <laughs> For the good bit of meat. That's right. <laughs> I wonder, and, and 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 again, we probably all do this. If you could change, if you could had a chance of a do-over, you know, turn left instead of right, what what would, what would you do differently? Would your life be different? Do you think, or would you have ended up where you are now? Yeah, isn't it interesting? I, when I were, before I went overseas, I was living in Wellington and. Um, we were talking about this before we started. Um, I, uh, this year, I've got a goal to be as fitter than I've ever been. Mm. When I was living in Wellington before I went overseas, uh, I'd given up smoking, and I was the fittest I'd ever been. I was 23, mm. and I was the fittest I've ever been and the slimmest I've ever been. You know, and I felt really good yes. in my body and everything. Um, and I had really good prospects for work and all that sort of stuff. And we, you know, we'd set this goal, my girlfriends and I, to go overseas, sort of, you know, eight months or something we decided you know over these eight months we'll save up and go um if i hadn't gone i just wonder would i would i still would i still be on the path of looking after my body or did i have to go all the way back around to come back to where i am now to look after my body if you know what i mean because once i got overseas it just wasn't you know as soon as we got on the plane we were fagging yes you know because we could get get the smokes for cheap as anything in those days you could smoke on planes yeah so we were just smoking up a storm on the plane (laughs) you know and then of course it's drinking and eating and all that sort of stuff as you do so yeah i guess i mean but 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 i'm saying that you know i just had such a great time and those are fond memories and and that formed who i am and i'd want my kids to go overseas and experience stuff because it changes you as a person because you have to rely on your own skills I suppose we only would turn left instead of turning right if we had regrets. And by the sound of it, you probably haven't got too many regrets. No, I mean, probably the only other one would be selling our house in Wellington too early. Mm, yes, well, we've all got that regret, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> totally, hindsight in the, in the property yeah. market. We've only got about five minutes to go, but I wonder, um, I'm, I don't know whether you're a materialistic person or not, but if you had to look around your material possessions and decide that you could only keep three of them, what would they be? My car. 
Yeah, well, who wouldn't want to keep that car? Big V8, I'm an Audi, <laughs> black with real leather. Who wouldn't want that? That's right. <laughs> I, I started it up the other day, and my, one, of my, one of my co-workers was like, do you have to do that to me, Carol? <laughs> I'm like, what's that? Start it up and yeah. make me get all excited like that. Before you got here today, I, I, I said, oh, I wonder if Carol is, and uh, Kelly said, but oh, yes, she is. We could hear you driving in. <laughs> really? I did have it on the, yeah. the big thing. Um, so, okay, so my keep car. car yeah. um, what else did I want to? What about animals? Can you take any of them? No, no. Yeah, no not an animal. No, no everyone says animal. a cat or a dog. Um, mm, Possession wise, that I'd want to, I'd want to keep. Mm. Well, my yoga mat. I kind of yeah. have a relationship with that every yeah. morning, so I've got to kind of have that. Um, what else have I sort of got that I would really – maybe my spa pool because I do – those again, I use those things all the time because I'm exercising and the spa helps me relax my muscles and stuff like that. So probably those three things. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you get home at night, because I know that you're one of the busiest people that I know, <laughs> what makes – you get home, you put your feet up, you pour that glass of orange juice and uh, you put your feet up for the day. What makes you think, wow, what a great day that was? When I've made an impact on someone's life. Mm. When I've, when I've helped them overcome something that they're going through or I've helped them come back to themselves. I've helped them. Just yeah. this morning um, I was at a meeting and one of the ladies was not coping. Um, she's had, had to deal with a few losses lately and, you know, we all gathered around her and we helped her and, you know, and, and I hope that the words that I the things I told her to do, mm. um, you know, that she'll do and that they'll help her. And it was just little simple things like find some space in the day for you. Yeah. Good you know, on. that makes me feel really uh, inspired and purposeful and meaningful when I, can, when I can help someone in whatever way I can. Yeah. Two people over for dinner, living or dead, who would they be and why? Two people over for dinner, living or dead, who would they be? Um, I'd like to have Pink over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Pink the singer because I wouldn't. think she's yep. absolutely fun, and you know we could have a few sings, yes, a few laughs. <laughs> I think she'd be quite funny actually. Yes. Um, living or dead, uh, I think I'd like to also have Marcus Aurelius. Uh, Who's he, and why would you want him? Well, leader of the Roman Empire. All oh, right, yes. Uh, he's got some interesting takes on humanity, even though he was. Very involved in war and, you know, not a warmonger. He mm. wasn't that, but he had to just, he had to deal with what he had to deal with. Yeah. Uh, he's got Marcus Aurelius' Meditations as a book you can read on mm. the things that he thought about. And he was quite the philosopher. He was quite the intuitive around, you know, humanity and getting mm. the best from people and, and speaking words to ignite his tribe and, you know, to get them moving and get them motivated to, to go to war. Yeah. Last question, um, and this is a far-off question for you. When you finally leave this world, how do you think people are going to remember, Carol? What are they going to think about you? It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Because we're all, none of us are getting out of here alive. No, we're not getting out alive, but uh, yeah. <laughs> how will you be remembered, do you think? Um, I hope that I'll be remembered as someone who uh, inspired others, and mm. I hope that I'll be remembered as someone who brought light and, and joy into people's lives. You know, I, I feel like that's my role mm. um, is to bring joy, you know, and bring fun. And I hope that, that that's what I've done over the course of my life, that when people think about me, I, I hope that I've made them feel, you know, uplifted yeah. and good. And if you could write your own epitaph, what would it be? 
Um, here's Carol. Here lies Carol. You know, she would rather wear out than rust out. <laughs> <laughs> and she's on her way to heaven, so look out. <laughs> Good on you, Carol. It's been my pleasure to talk with you on this. Pleased to meet you. Wish you well for the future and look forward to talking to you again. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.